Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor Tim Barone. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns to all eternity. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at uh, the reality of our work. Um, And so as we begin, I just want to encourage you to consider your place of work. If you are working right now, um, consider where you work uh, and who you work for or who works with you. Uh, We spend an awful lot of time of our lives at work. We, we spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week as adults uh, working hard to accomplish different things. And so uh, that environment that we're in is very important. And I want to point out to you that when you are working, it is a spiritual endeavor. It's a spiritual environment. And your work matters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to be looking kind of at the, the big picture of our work, and then narrowing in uh, to consider what St. Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 6 about how we are to work in those specific situations. Uh, The first thing I would like us to consider today is that your vision of the gospel or your understanding of what God has done through Jesus Christ deeply impacts your work. It changes the way you work. And I want to suggest that there's kind of two ways we can think about our work as Christians, uh, or actually I should say two ways we can think about the gospel, and I want to experiment with you and see how those two different ways affect our attitude and our hearts when it comes to our, our labor. So the first way we can think of the gospel, and this is a mistaken way, but the first way many people do think of the gospel is they think that the gospel means that Jesus came down to earth in order to evacuate us from the earth. And so the point of the gospel then is that Jesus came to help us hit the escape hatch. Um, and it's kind of the picture of a sinking ship. And Jesus comes to, as the rescue boat to get us away. And the picture in that picture is that we would evacuate, we would escape, and then we would be in kind of a spiritual reality apart from the earth, right? We would go to heaven, uh, and by that we mean kind of that spiritual dimension. And so if that's the picture of the gospel, we really don't want anything to do with the earth, do we? That picture of the gospel says it's time to get away from the earth, it's time to escape, uh, to find a new place. Uh, that there's nothing really to be salvaged here, that God's not really interested in the world itself, but rather interested in our souls alone. And this is a very common way of articulating uh, the gospel in our times. And people, if asked on the street, they might articulate the gospel exactly in this way. But I want to show you that that leads to uh, some mistakes, and in particular, in the way that we work. So I don't know if many of you have heard this, saying, has anyone ever heard the saying that someone can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good? It's kind of an old saying. (laughs) Uh, But I think it perfectly kind of captures this mistaken understanding of the gospel. 
Because it basically says, if you're really into God, if you're really a devout Christian, what that looks like is that your head's in the clouds somewhere. You're just thinking lofty thoughts, and you're no good on the farm, in other words, right? You're no good. You, can't, you don't want to get dirt under your fingernails. You don't want to work hard. You don't want to sweat. You don't want to get into the muck and the dirt of this world because you're more heavenly than that, right? You're, you're more lofty. And this was actually what, one of the things that Luther was addressing uh, in the Reformation because in the, at the Reformation time in the medieval Catholic Church, if you really wanted to be a devout Christian, what you did was you left your family, right? You left the farm and you became a priest. You became a, a monk. You became a nun. And you did holy work, which was prayer, Right, which was attending to the altar. And that, if you, if you wanted to be a first-class Christian, that's what you did. If you just wanted to be a second-class Christian, that, you just stayed home and did the dirty work. Right, You did the, the ordinary work of this world. And Luther said no. He said every work that we do as Christians is imbued with divine meaning. And so he said the real holy work is also out in the fields. That is how God is caring for his creation. The real holy work is in the mother who feeds her child. The real holy work is in the maid who milks the cow. He said that's where God's work is happening. And so he returned dignity to every human labor. And so that kind of leads me into the second way of thinking. The first way of thinking says God wants to evacuate you snatch you out of this world and and keep you out of this world. The second way of thinking, which is the biblical way of thinking, says Jesus came to reclaim the earth. Jesus came to bring his dominion into this world, not to evacuate his people, but to save his people and then re-employ them in creation. And that's what we see in the Gospels. So if we think about it, first of all, the first thing we saw, we see this in Genesis, is God created Adam and Eve. And if you look into the Hebrew, the word Adam is closely related to the word earth. So Adam comes from the Adamah in Hebrew. He's an earth man, right? Or he's an earthling. He's literally created from the, from the world and he's given the breath of God for the sake of the world, God immediately gives him and Eve a task to subdue the earth in a righteous way, to have dominion and to make the world flourish. This is a really good task from God. And what we also see when Jesus comes to the world, of course, the curse had taken Adam and Eve, and actually God cursed Adam's work, and he cursed the earth so that work would no longer be a pleasure but a toil. But what we see is when when Jesus comes, he comes into our flesh to be a part of our world, right? He didn't have to do it that way. God did not have to come down to be a a stinking human, right? To, to, To be a part of this world, to be a builder like Jesus was. But that's what he did. He came down into the world, it says in John 3, not to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. That Jesus entered into the dirt of this world, into the labor of this world, and by his labor, uh, he saved Adam. He saved Eve. He saved the children of men. 
And then at the end of the whole picture, what we see is in the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, you know, spoiler alert, but at the end of the Bible, what we see is a new heavens and a new earth, Revelation chapter 21. There is a new heavens and a new earth recreated and a new city, Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. And we see a picture of people ruling, elders, 24 of them, ruling and reigning with Christ. And you know, if you've ever been in a city, there's a little bit of work to do in the city, isn't there? So we have a picture of a physical creation with physical people doing work. And at the end of this picture, we have the same kind of thing. We have a restored physical creation with physical people, Adam and Eve, humans, doing what they were intended to do. And so the picture of salvation is not an escape project, but rather the picture of salvation is God saving for himself a holy people who then he re-employs in his kingdom to rule and reign the earth. And now, if you think the first one is true, if you think uh, we're, just, we're just waiting here until we get out of here, how does that affect your heart and your work? If you think, you know what, all of this earth is just going to, God's just going to wipe it away. And if you think that about it, does that affect your heart? Of course it does. Of course, it just means everything that I'm doing is ultimately, on a grand scale, is ultimately in vain. Because it's going to add up to nothing. Eventually, it's all going to disappear and it won't matter. And so it affects our hearts. It affects the way we think about when we go into work, when we clock in to work 40, 50 hours a week. If we're always thinking, I'm just biding time until I'm out of here. And that's a toxic thing to hold in your heart. And the gospel says something different. The gospel says, no, you have been saved and redeemed. And not just you, but your work. God didn't save a rock. He doesn't think. He doesn't have volition. He doesn't work. He saved you. And your hands, your mind, your heart. He saved your labor. And in Christ, your labor is no longer in vain. And this is what the gospel uh, for us, the good news for us today is that uh, outside of Christ, our labor is in vain. It would be. If, if you are not in Christ, if you don't truly believe in, in the Son of God and are baptized into his name, if you are outside of his kingdom, everything that is not built on the foundation of Christ is going to be wiped away. And this is why the Bible says it's, it's all vanity. If it is the case that it's all just ending in dust, if dust we are and dust we will return to as God cursed Adam in this way, then every single thing we do, if that's the truth, is ultimately for nothing. The gospel says that Christ has come down to redeem us and our work so that now you are in the employment of Jesus Christ you are serving in his kingdom. And because of that, your work is no longer in vain. Your work matters. You're contributing to an eternal kingdom. And you serve an eternal king. And so your work is not a waste. Uh, Martin Luther explains this to us um, in the small catechism. If you look in the second article of the Creed, his explanation 
about why Jesus would come and save us. He says that you have been saved, you've been purchased and won by the blood of Jesus so that you might belong to him, so that you might be his own and serve him in everlasting blessedness and righteousness. This is most certainly true. In other words, God saved you to serve. You were enslaved to a way of life that was just going to end in death and disappointment. That was you outside of Christ. In Christ, you serve a master who is eternal. And so that means there is no Christian who has a job that is not worthwhile. There is no Christian who has wasted a moment of their time in a venial task, a meaningless task, because in Christ, all of your work has been repurposed. And so as Christians, we can't show up to work and say, this is just for nothing. Right? We can't say, you know what, I don't really care about this job. I'm just waiting for my vacation. We can't think like that. We don't have the, the right to think that way anymore because Jesus has saved us and he has saved our efforts. And so the Bible says, wherever you find yourself, do all your work, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as if you were serving the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are. You have been redeemed and now are in in service to the living King. And so this is what uh, the Bible, the picture of the gospel encourages us to think differently about our work, differently about the way uh, that we, we go to work. John 15 Uh, says it this way, and I love these words more and more, but Jesus says to his disciples, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will abide. And that's such a blessing to believe, right? That as we are in Christ, being nourished by him, working in his kingdom, the things that we do, the fruit that we bear in Christ abides, It abides for eternity. It matters for eternity. It's not a waste. It's not dust in the wind. Sorry, Kansas. You know that song? It's not dust in the wind. Uh, It's being established on the Lord Jesus Christ, the foundation that he built. All who are contributing to this are contributing to his holy kingdom. And the fruit that we bear does not rot on the fruit on the vine, right? But it abides for eternity. What a joy to know and believe that the things we do are not a waste of time. That the labors of our hands um, are not a curse anymore, but God has saved us and saved our work. And so that brings us to uh, the the specific instructions that St. Paul gives uh, to the Christians in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6. And so here in in Ephesians 5 and 6, we've been seeing uh, this pattern develop and this pattern of how Christians live with different authorities. And so there's this pattern of wielding and yielding. Uh, Wielding authority in the name of Jesus and yielding to that authority. So we see this pattern develop. Uh, We saw in husbands and wives, right? Husbands and wives are to to wield and yield authority in the name of Jesus. We saw it in parents and children. And now we see it in uh, workers. We see it in bondservants and masters. Right? So listen again to what he says, uh, verse 5. 
He says, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. I worked... um, before I went to the seminary, I worked for about a year in uh, construction, and I, I worked my way up the ranks, and I made it all the way to uh, carpenter's assistant, right, which is the guy that goes and runs and gets stuff, right, sweeps stuff. <laughs> but I worked that for about 11 months, and I, found, I went through this experience where the company that I was working for, their contract was ending, and so that means that the job was wrapping up, and when that happens, I tell you what, if you want to know what drama looks like, uh, you should go on a construction site when the, when the job is wrapping up because a bunch of weird things happen. But one of the things that happens is that people start to milk the job and try to keep it going as long as possible so that they continue to get a paycheck and they're not let go. And so when the boss comes, they're like, hey, you guys getting this finished up? They're working really hard, aren't they? But when he turns away and goes somewhere else, they go to about 20% effort. They just want to look like they're doing work. Why? Well, this is kind of what St. Paul is talking about. Don't be eye-pleasers in your work. That means don't only work when an eye is on you, (laughs) right? And they're doing that to try to to benefit themselves. And St. Paul says, as Christians, don't be like that. Don't be like that. Don't be fearful about where your next meal is going to come from. Don't try to cheat your boss. Don't just do the minimum amount at your work. And don't think, you know what, my boss hasn't been very good to me, so I'm just going to pay him back. Christians don't think like that. And it's so interesting, the language that he uses here. Because he uses language that is reserved for God. He says, bondservants, obey your masters with fear and trembling. Well, should I be afraid of my earthly boss? No, but this is language that is used of God in the Old Testament. He says, do this with your heart, right? Do it with all sincerity. This echoes the language of the Old Testament that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying, when you are serving that earthly master, who is behind all authority in heaven and on earth? It's Jesus. Jesus is the name above all names. And so even if you have a really bad earthly boss, right, you are to serve Jesus in that position and not that earthly boss, right? He just happens to be there. But your loyalty is not first to him, but it's first to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved you already and called you out of that vain work and into a, wor- a life of working for him. And so you, first and foremost, are serving the Lord Jesus in everything that you do. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, it tells us that we should be living sacrifices in light of the gospel, that we should offer up our entire beings to Jesus. That means wherever we find our work, we're pouring ourselves into it with joy in our hearts, 
because of what Jesus has done. You know, I, in that situation at work, uh, a lot of people, first of all, they, they get uh, lazy, right? They're not doing their, their labor very well, but they also get paranoid and angry and full of anxiety because they're afraid that they're going to be let go. And it becomes a really difficult place to show up in the mornings. <laughs> but there was one guy that really caught my attention. I was, I was still pretty young. I, was, I think I was 20 or 19 at the time. But there was one guy, his name was Jeff. And every morning he would get to work, 5.30 a.m., we started at 6. He would get to work at 5.30. He'd be sitting in his truck, uh, relaxing, drinking coffee, just waiting for the day to start. And he would qu- quietly, calmly, diligently do his work. And I noticed something about him. He kind of separated himself from the crowd a little bit, and he would just go work on a project on his own. I wish, looking back, that I had the wisdom to see what he was doing. And if you went and got to know Jeff a little bit, he was an outspoken Christian. He would just tell you about the Lord Jesus, and he would tell you about that. And I, I realized, looking back now, he was so content and so willing to work diligently just simply because he was serving the Lord. He knew that the Lord would care for him. He knew that his future didn't depend on any earthly master. And so that contributed to his, his well-being. And he didn't get caught up in all the drama and all the backbiting and all the slander that was going on, all the anxiety. And I wish that I had figured out a way to change my, uh, my crew and go and work with him because he had a peace about him. Similarly, as Christians, we should have that same kind of peace. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and that makes us diligent, calm, and kind in our work. St. Paul continues for the other side, right? He says that as a worker, you should be fully invested. You should be serving your master, earthly master, because you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the same way, he says this, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And so masters are to recognize that they are not tyrants, right? Those who are, have been given authority over other people, they should wield that authority in accordance with Jesus, their heavenly master. They are not tyrants. They have been given authority for the sake of service for those under them. And so if you are over people in your work, you are to put their interests first. You are to model for them what it means to be a gracious Lord, a gracious master, a gracious boss, as your heavenly boss is. Again, when I was a young person, I don't know if you've ever had an experience of working for a a bad boss. Has anyone had that experience? (laughs) If you have, just grown a little bit. <sighs> yeah. um, or if you've had the experience of working for a good boss, what's that like? There's a world of difference, isn't there? One of the people that employed me as a young person, uh, he was a really, really good boss. And he didn't pay the most money uh, of any job. But you know what? He bought lunch for his whole staff every day. And he cared for you. He, cared, he would ask you things about your life. He cared about what was going on. And he included you in the, biz, the small business he was running. And you know what? As, as a worker for him, 
I would do anything for him. He's feeding me lunch. <laughs> right? He cared for me. I, it doesn't matter what he was asking me to do. Right? You want me to clean the toilets, boss? Sure. I'll clean the toilets. <laughs> you want me to sweep the floors again? Yeah, I could do that. You want me to go on that delivery run and, and move all that heavy stuff? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do it because it didn't matter what task I had. It mattered who I was serving. And it, his style of service and care uh, for his employees made it so easy to serve. Isn't that the same way that our Lord Jesus Christ has acted towards all of us? Right? The Lord Jesus Christ, he was king above all kings, Lord of lords, had the status, the name above all names. He didn't need anything from us, and he gave it all up, all of it. He humbled himself to become a servant, to become a slave, to labor for our good, to spill his blood for our life. And uh, as Christians, if we are masters over anything in this world, we should be mimicking his mastery over us, his service, his love. Everything that he did was to lift us up. And if, if Christian masters would have this in mind, their employees would be blessed, and the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be elevated. Uh, this man, of course, uh, was a Christian and a member of my church. And so, as we are Christians, and we, when we go into our work, whatever that might be, whatever situation we're serving in, whatever trials and hardships, whatever uh, difficulties we have with our coworkers and with our, our bosses or our employees, whatever that situation looks like for you, go into it knowing that Jesus is there too, right? That our, our calling in this life matters because Jesus is coming back to this world to claim it. And you have the opportunity as his church uh, to claim a portion of that and to participate in God's kingdom now in anticipation of it coming in its fullness. And we pray this in the Lord's Prayer. We say, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done among us. And this is what it means to have a calling as a Christian, is whatever God has in mind uh, in heaven, whatever he has as a plan, which is to recreate the heavens and the earth and reclaim dominion, whatever his ultimate goal is, we want that to be happening among us. We know that God's kingdom is coming whether or not we're on board, amen? In that prayer, we're saying, God, we want this to happen among us now. We want that to happen in our work environment, in our work relationships. We want your kingdom to be present and evident as we live life as your saved people. Uh, will you rise with me? Uh, and let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we would have hearts that would be willing to serve you with, with all of our strength, all of our mind, every capacity that you have given to us, that we would serve you in joy because you have saved us for your kingdom. Uh, save us, Lord, from apathy, from laziness. Uh, save, save us from, from stealing uh, from our employers. Save us, Lord, from, from being uh, tyrants if we ha are in authority over other people. 
but let your kingdom come among us and may that be evident in our places of work. We pray it it in the holy and eternal name of our King, Jesus Christ. 